All right, welcome everyone to our first inaugural. It is the beginning, it is the start, it is the genesis of the incredible Infinite Possibilities podcast. And uh, I'm Mike Cobb, and I'll be kind of leading this today, kind of moderating, if you will, but talking with uh, the uh, esteemed Patrick Willis. So, Patrick, real quick, will you just give a quick introduction, kind of your background and some of your story? Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you uh, helping me get this uh, started and off the ground. I have worked in the uh, nonprofit space for 25 years this year. is the 25th anniversary of awesome. working. I started in 1997. And uh, as a result, I have worked with a myriad of, of organizations over the years in uh, social services, arts, education, um, animal welfare, you know, there's, you name it, the sector of the organizations, I've been able to do it. Uh, working primarily in regional East Texas, but have done work in metropolitan cities beyond uh, the Dallas area and then other states I've been able to work in. And then I also had a little public relations work sprinkled in as well. I couldn't give up. I, I'm a big Mad Men fan, so I decided I'd make that a part of my <laughs> Who isn't my uh, my work as well? So uh, that that's that's kind of been been a nutshell what I've that's been doing awesome. for the past uh, twenty five years. Very cool. Well, I, I uh, have been so fortunate to be able to work with you on several projects, and you were really important to uh, some of the work we did at my last school. So I'm grateful for that. I certainly know uh, well, your you. your results and, and the expertise you bring. I, I'm really am fascinated about this new program that you put together, this professional learning series that. You're, you're talking about infinite possibilities. So I'd love to know a little bit about your inspiration behind uh, this new series and, and what was the, the way, it, how did it culminate? How did it come together? Well, I'll tell you, um, this has been a really unique opportunity for me. I, I never really considered myself a person that would put something like this together. I just sort of did the work or helped my clients do the work and I thought it was time to kind of formalize something and I've been working with uh, Lots of lots of inspirational people over the years, uh, as as well as the the clients that I've been able to work with over the years. That if you know the the leadership, executive directors, board members, uh, volunteers, people that are passionate about helping the nonprofit sector, um, it, it's that's been really really rewarding. Uh, I, I've, I've used um, for years been inspired by the work of Judy Shark and Simon. I think she's amazing. Uh, what she has put together. Uh, very much, uh, of course, Dr. Brene Brown, I think, has become a, just a sensational uh, individual, and her work has really been professionally and personally life-changing for me. Uh, I have, And then, of course, uh, one of my other favorites is Simon Sinek. Mm -hmm. I think I've been able to really use Simon Sinek's work to really help uh, individuals understand why they do what they do and how that integrates into... Uh, the, the work of nonprofits, and so uh, a, a few more over the years. Uh, you've got such a, a, a prolific book uh, uh, knowledge and and uh, list, and so I have uh, just got through reading Atomic Habits, and I tell you that's part of something I want to weave into all of this as well. I think uh, he did a great job on that. It's a that great book, particular. Well, book as well, I guess we'll go ahead and extend the invitation for Judy, for yes. Brene, and for Simon at any yeah. point if you want to join the podcast. Just <coughs> Absolutely. Just reach I, out. I, yeah. I will not I will not turn <laughs> any of those individuals down by, right. by any means. But 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 I do want to emphasize that a lot of the inspiration 
for this and the the techniques that I've used over the years have really been developed by working with clients. It's been spending 25 years of garnering that kind of research. I got into fundraising really backward. That's a story for another time, but uh, it's the only really career I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, I've I've learned a lot that if I were 25 years ago, Patrick uh, would have a lot more to offer but uh, you make experience happen when you spend this much time in a place. So I'm grateful for all the twists and turns and ups and downs. I I love that, Patrick. I think that's an important thing to always remember that experience is not something you just get, that you earn it, right? (laughs) Yes. You've earned it. So I am so intrigued though by the idea of what you're calling this infinite possibilities and that you really uh, lean into the idea that there are these stages um, and institutional um, histories, but also that there are these arenas. And I think that that is something I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about how that works and what does this mean to be infinite possibilities? What does it mean to be on a continuum and what in the heck are these arenas? Gotcha. All right. I can, I can do that. Infinite possibilities are one of the things that I, I love the statement because I love I love visionary statements. I love vision statements for organizations, and I think when you when you set your mind to it, especially as a collective, uh, anything is possible. Right? That's what we're taught, and I'm always amazed. I, I truly, truly am amazed by the nonprofit sector. Um, without the nonprofit sector, our world would be a completely different place. And so, you know, really feel like. Uh, this next chapter in my life, I want to take these years of experience and hone it into a process that really can help nonprofits. They really can see this. So, developing a continuum, uh, really kind of five core stages um, of these. Uh, we, we won't get into a lot of the specifics, but we like to to call it the innovate stage, the no stage, the grow stage, the go stage and then uh, kind of equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And as you go through each of those, and and it's a continuum, so it's not linear, right? It's on a continuum, and each of these these stages that you go through for nonprofits help you to determine where you are. Mm -hmm. And you wanna be able to stay in these certain stages at a time that that builds your organization, then you wanna be able to kind of plateau out, for instance, and kind of level out. and, and you're rocking along on all cylinders, but you can't stay there either, right, in that equilibrium right. part. you got to go back to the innovative stage, for instance, if you, if you're, you feel like your strategic plan uh, warrants that, right? So in, in those kind of that, – that, so that's kind of my, my broad spectrum yeah. on the, the continuum. But that's fascinating. I mean, again, I think about my experience working in uh, especially the education space for over 30 years, and I – I, as you talk, I sit there and think about the moments where I knew that we were in different phases mm-hmm. of our uh, institutional growth, our institutional uh, storytelling, and so I think that's really cool. And then there were times where I look back now and I know we were in a stage, but we didn't know what stage we were in until sure. we got through it. So this is sure. fascinating to me. So then tell me, how, how do the arenas then uh, work? I mean, so what does that mean? Each of the arenas, that, and, and I've identified seven particular arenas, right? And and. I'm a again a big Brene Brown fan, and I, you know, the quote that started her off was President Theodore Roosevelt's "The Man in the Arena" speech that he gave in Paris uh, all those years ago that inspired her and 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 really brought her for in the forefront with her work. And you know, I love it. It said, "If you're not in the arena, you know," she had some colorful words, but if you're not in the arena, uh, 
getting yourself uh, kicked, I guess, yes. is, is the polite <laughs> way to say it. Um, you know, I don't want feedback from other people. So right. in, in using that inspiration of, of being in the arena, doing the hard work, yes. you know, really making it an, uh, an effort um, is where the, the magic happens, mm-hmm. right? And so in the seven arenas of infinite possibilities for each of the organiza- uh, for each of, this, of these, these uh, uh, numerical, what I've got a kind of numerical uh, outline, uh, I like to start even though th- there's not a particular order necessarily, but I just think these are of, of kind of follow along a lot of patterns I've seen over right. the years, right? Yeah. The, the thing about nonprofit work is there's a lot of rules and then there's a lot of right, ways to break the rules, if you right. will, right? It's, sure. it's not hard sure. and fast. But these, um, you're saying these are basically all arenas, though, that every institution is having to show up in, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, so thank you. Daily, they have to be in these arenas in some way or the other, and if they're not focusing on it, then they're maybe not showing up where they need to show up. Yes. Yeah. And this, this gives you guidelines in order to really make sure that you've shown up in these, yeah. in these arenas. Interesting. And if you're if you're running a nonprofit organization, and this is this is a professional learning series for chairs of boards board members, uh, I'm going to put in the plug for the development chair yes. because, you know, that's a, one of the most important ones you can have in any nonprofit organization, in my opinion. Um, you know, your executive directors and then leadership team members, yes. you know, really, this is a really good opportunity awesome. and it applies to all of them. Yeah. So, you know, I have governance as, a, as a, one of the arenas, vision and leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, governance really is pertaining to a lot of the board. Uh, vision and leadership is the board and it's vision and the executive directors also adopted vision right that they're helping to move forward so that leadership core leadership team your value proposition what makes you your organization unique mm-hmm. right that's yeah. a really good arena to define and I think a lot of people do it but they don't really have a formalized process around right. their value proposition yeah. uh, systems Right, I mean that was Atomic mm-hmm. Habits. I mean right. the systems are if you if you if you know you don't um, you know you don't rise to your highest goal, you fall to your lowest system. Right, so I think good. that was his quote. Did I get that's it correct? The, that's I was, right. I was, that's a good, I was yes. making sure I, I got it. Yes. Clear's quote correct. Um, staffing is another way you know to really look at the staffing side on how the board can see how the executive director uh, should be. Um, you know, really evaluating as well as uh, encouraging her, his staff, and then obviously the board needs to be doing that for the executive director. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, uh, marketing was a big buzzword for nonprofits. You have to get a marketing committee together. Uh, that is such a, a small part of the communication overall strategy, yeah. and we talk a lot about that in that arena about how. Marketing is very important, but it's also in a, a cog in the wheel in other areas. And so I've really kind of taken that and really expanded it to communication, especially in this digital age we live in. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the one I, I, I like to say I'm, I'm the most versed in is, is fundraising. All right. So that arena. Well, again, it's, it's interesting to think about that. Uh, we all know that our organizations, especially in the nonprofit world, they're complex and that there are lots of things that we have to do. And that often we don't always know exactly um, 
what the plan is in all those arenas. So to have this, this guide, this outline is really, to me, so valuable, no matter where you are in your institutional history, whether That's you're correct. an institution of five months or 50 years, uh, it has value. I, I would love, though, today, let's, let's dive in. I want to get a better sense of one arena um, and so, like, I'd like to dive into the fundraising arena. That's one that, sure. again, you, you've lived in. And Absolutely. You've got dirt on your face there. Yeah, as, I, I've as been in the arena. Theodore Roosevelt said. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about how you conceptualize this arena and what are some of the things that people would think about? And, again, we're, we're not going to go into great detail. And, sure. Uh, hopefully people that are interested in your seven arenas will, um, you know, reach out and uh, ask more questions and, you know, maybe want to learn more about this. But let's just do a, a quick synopsis of what that looks like. So one of the ways in which I have I'm, – I'm a real visual person, so everything I do are created around visuals, mm-hmm. all right? And one of the ways that I like uh, – a good visual is an umbrella. Everybody has them. Yep. Everybody needs them. Uh, oftentimes, they put them away and don't think about the importance of them mm-hmm. until all of a sudden they're out and it's raining, and all of a sudden that umbrella becomes a whole lot more important That's to right. you. Uh, especially if you've got a big meeting and and uh, you know uh, you're you just got your hair done and <laughs> everything. You know you you really want the umbrella at that point, right? That's right. Um, so. If you take an umbrella, for instance, and you kind of look at it, kind of look at the face of an umbrella and, and cut it into four panels, if okay. you would, right? Okay. And then obviously you've got those four panels up there, and then, then you've got the handle, mm-hmm. of course. So any one of those panels that's removed from an umbrella does not make it as effective. Mm-hmm. Correct? Wouldn't work very well no, if it's, you had a hole in the umbrella. No, yeah. it, it's not going to do well for you. So I've divided each of those four sections of, of, the, of an umbrella into these categories. And, um, and so just kind of visualize that at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Now on your handle, that's again the most important part, um, that to me symbolizes um, an organization's mission, its vision, and its values, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so if you don't really have a handle on that, this stuff at the top really isn't going to be as effective right right there's there's this process really needs to be so you know your mission and and this really ties into a a lot you can extrapolate a lot of simon sinek's work with the who the golden circle Mm -hmm. you know the 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 what the how and the who and 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 really looking at mission and vision and values in those terminologies as well right right so if if we're looking in in those states you got to have a handle on that you go back to the, the top process, the, the uh, panels. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, I divide them into prospects, mm-hmm. campaign activities, participants, and donor stewardship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So prospects, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the three main prospects for any nonprofit organization or, uh, in, in your case, uh, a private school. Yes. Um, individuals, foundations, and corporations. And, you know, one of the myths that we run into a lot of times on development committees or even boards of directors is they, they look at the big corporations in their community and they're like, let's go after them because right. they're big companies, they're making bottom lines, they got a lot of money, right? And when in reality, if you look at the Giving USA statistics, and I'm, these are not a, exactly right for every year they change every year but basically you're looking at a roughly around five to six percent mm-hmm. of what corporations give right yeah. uh, foundations are a little bit larger mm-hmm. um, they're typically 10 to 12 percent mm-hmm. uh, and then the remainder 
is individuals. Yeah, so the yeah. biggest uh, of those three of populations are individual giving. Mm-hmm. So you got to know how to focus, right? You got to you got to really mm-hmm. think about who your prospects are. Now, if you're an organization, for instance, um, I can use an organization that would be like First Tee, you know, the mm-hmm. golf, yeah, the nonprofit great. golf organization. It's a great, great organization. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they they have a lot of corporate tie-ins, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of vendors. There's a lot of, of suppliers. There's a lot of product placement. Yes. So there, there may be a little higher on the scale. Exactly. So you got to know your organization, right. Right? right? But if you look at, at organizations on the on the most part, it's it's really the individuals mm-hmm. that are giving, you know, almost 86, 88 yeah. percent. But then you tie in family foundations and who runs family foundations, That's people, right? right? So right. Yeah. you know you can see the the, the scale. Yeah. So we really pay attention to prospect. It's a just a key, key uh, indicator. And, and I know that um, in talking with you and, and working with you that you have a lot of cool systems. It's another one of the arenas. Yeah, absolutely. That, that really helps you, though, not only identify, but then really know how to most effectively work with prospects, too, yes. right? Because that's the, the next part that makes that hard. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's really interesting Thank that you. it is identifying who they are, but then actually knowing what to do with them. And that's one of the other arenas that you talk about, right? It, it is. It is. And that, that particular technique I like to call relationship mapping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, relationship mapping is a, a, a very organic, but yet um, can be complex, not mm-hmm. difficult to complex, but complex in the sense Absolutely. of there's a lot of moving parts, That's right? right? Yes. Because you can use relationship mapping not only just in fundraising, it can be in governance, mm-hmm. uh, board development. You know, there's lots of ways Absolutely. in which you're, you're using it and, yeah. and different techniques, and there's a whole system and techniques I use yeah, I around that. But uh, definitely prospecting, um, mm. and it is a, it, and because it is a system, you know, I've, I've done it in, um, in places where I know you know the community well yes and can really use it and then I've also gone into a room out in another state with right. a group and organization and used the process and never had yes. uh, yeah. you know, had, had the same result right never yes. had a, had a, had a breakdown because the system works that's right that's cool Very so cool. that that's it real important mm-hmm. um, in, in carrying that over extrapolating that to the campaign activities most organizations, uh, when we when we define their campaign activities, it's really their development plan, mm-hmm. and your budget and your development plan really need to mirror one another, mm-hmm. even down to the language you use inside the budget, mm-hmm. as well as the development plan. Yeah. Those really have to talk, and there's a great I've got a great resource on that mm-hmm. that really helps organizations identify. Their, what their budget looks like and how they're going to raise the money and it's really it's been a powerful thing for trustees and directors That's and boards fantastic. because yeah. a lot of times let's face it you know I'm certainly not an accountant. You, you would not want me to be your, your organization's treasurer necessarily right. right That's not my that's not my bag. I can yes. raise money but you know I, I want to leave the, the accounting right. firms to, to handle that part <laughs> of it. So you know in in doing that process mm-hmm. you can really begin to see, how the budget and the uh, the development plan can line up, right? And they can, if you want to, and it just makes it real clear. Yeah, you and know, it's so good, good that to, again to have a process and not one that you're trying to create from scratch, but one that's been tried and true that yeah. you have used on others. Yes, I mean, absolutely. as someone who's been involved with quite a few campaigns, I, I know there were times where we were reinventing the wheel and maybe not as effectively. So that's, I'm sure that's awesome to have organizations come in and know that you have a system that works. Absolutely, it, it, it does. Um, 
you know, one of the activities when it comes to campaign activities, I, I like for organizations, fundraising plans to be balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have, um, you know, a great annual fund. Mm-hmm. You want to have that campaign being healthy. You want to make sure that if you're in a capital campaign, mm-hmm. that you're making your annual fund still a priority. Yes. If you're in an endowment campaign, you may have several different campaigns running all at the same time, but you never want your annual fund to ever be deferred. That's right? The plan is so important. Right? The plan is so yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And as you look at the campaign activities, let's just take an annual fund slice of the fundraising pie. Uh, I always recommend organizations create and formalize what we call gift clubs or donor societies. Uh, generically speaking, it could be names like the President's Circle or the Admiral's Club or whatever you know, that you can, you can create uh, that is relevant and germane to your organization. I work with an, an organization that helps family violence and we created one called Vision Builders, mm-hmm. which was a great opportunity to help, you know, you're, they're, they're an, um, a family violence center and so, you know, you, you're talking about building healthy families, you know, visioning the future. It, it, you know, yeah, you can absolutely. really tie in yeah. and make it yeah. real effective for your organization. Absolutely. And, you know, that is face-to-face. Those are high-level gifts. Uh, they're typically start, you know, let's say your uh, organization is a million-dollar organization. You know, you may decide to start your, your leadership giving program at $500 or $1,000, mm-hmm. depending upon where you go. And that's, again, goes back to relationship mapping and that's looking right. at your donor yeah. data and mm-hmm. really understanding your own mm-hmm. demographics to determine the success of, an, of something like that. that so that's, that's key. Yeah, that's interesting. Very cool. So uh, part of that as well is donor acquisition, which is, you know, your opportunities for direct mail, social media, electronic and or physical newsletters, uh, churches, civic organizations, memorials and honorariums programs. Those are, those are just uh, entry level, if you will, yeah. uh, donors, but very important because those donors that come in at some of these acquisition points become larger donors That's later right. on if they're stewarded correctly, right? That's right yeah. um, and then special events. Uh, one of the one of the favorite things I get from boards of directors when they haven't met their annual budget is they want to create a special event right in the middle of the year, right. not in conjunction with the development plan, but it's like, and you, you got to kind of say, guys, look, you don't want a special event yourself to death. You right. know, I, I give a talk on uh, how to not let your special event be like a crime scene. <laughs> so it, it harkens back to those old whodunit shows like Remington Steel, oh, Heart to Heart, goodness. Murder, She Wrote. You know, yes. that, that kind of mindset is... is you know, we can't let this be, um, we can't let this come in and just wreck our plan. Absolutely. Right? We've got to keep a strong, strong plan. That's smart, yeah. Um, but special events are important because they really are a gateway. Yeah, yeah. They're a gateway into uh, donors that may not ever have known anything about your organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be a guest of you and your wife, and you say, come join me, this is a... a, a, a an event that yeah. you'll have a good time at. This is a cause very important to me. You know, you're doing your great board yes. member work right That's at this right. point. You're recruiting me to come. A new donor prospect. I sit at the table. I hear the, the mission moment. I fall in love with the organization. Yes. And I make a contribution, right? That's that's how those things work. I, I love the idea of that uh, cultivation. It's happening on both sides of that, right? I mean, you're actually cultivating 
the current board member and the donor because it's, it's there's something about when you invite somebody to your circle, right, that it feels good. Absolutely. But then it also is cultivating people. Like it, it's increasing the capacity of someone that didn't know about what your organization does. So now that's, that's super smart to think about how special events are multifaceted. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I always give this a statement when we talk about events. Uh, make your event clear. Yes. Uh, and I could I could talk until the end of time on this one, yeah. Mike. Um, make certain that your special event, that your goal is clear. Mm-hmm. It is either fundraising, or it is friend raising, marketing. You know, it is mm-hmm. not that those uh, goals cannot be equally. They can't yeah. be ranked equal. Well, I think Patrick, you and I have talked about this before, and in the school world, I've seen this many <laughs> times. Unfortunately. We like to, after an event um, happens, and if it isn't as successful as we like, we usually like to then try to make it something else, right? <laughs> exactly. We had, exactly. A, we had a financial goal. We didn't reach it, so we start saying, well, but it was also a friend-raising event. Yeah. So I love your point here that you need to have a very clear objective. Not that there can't be uh, other things that are tangent to what the outcomes are, but sure. your event it is a special event. That's it right. It is for a special reason. That's right. And know what it is going in to land it well. Absolutely. If it is a point of entry event, great. Make it a point of entry event. Mm-hmm. If it is a friend raising event, mm-hmm. make it a friend raising event. Yes. Uh, but the most organizations, when they are in the fundraising arena, yes. they are raising money. That's right. And they usually are banking on their special events yeah. to do it. And and. You know, I I built a lot of my business over the years on special events. I created mm-hmm. a lot of memorable events. I have had, um, you know, a, a wonderful uh, civic-minded individual who is a, a prominent attorney in our community jump out of an airplane for mm-hmm. me, uh, as well as a, a, a future United States congressman. He was along with the ride as well. They jumped out of the fairway to make a James Bond interest, you know, so over the great. over the country club fairway. Yeah. So, you know, we've done fun things, and you can do fun things with events. Mm-hmm. You just have to really pay attention to those. And yeah. that, again, I, I don't want to get off on that because that that yeah, could take we, us into a whole. I other, think that's fantastic. A whole other like deal. But um, two other final points on that piece of the umbrella mm-hmm. uh, on campaign activities that I'd like to mention are earned income. Mm-hmm. And legacy giving, yeah, and those are legacy giving, of course, plan giving. Um, I like to use the term legacy giving mm-hmm. uh, for for this, but it, it's it's a plan giving. That's one of the hardest monies to raise. Mm-hmm. Your organization needs a plan giving program at right. the very least in your newsletter. It just needs to say, "Remember us in your will." Yeah, you know, I mean, right. that's the first mm-hmm. you know outside. But there's a lot of uh, very important. Um, community leaders, uh, I know in our communities and certain in others, that are very well versed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're either financial planners, uh, attorneys yeah. uh, that have that speciality, and you know that's where you could really lean on them yes. to help you with some of those yeah. problems because that's that's a real uh, tough one and it's a tough one for a lot of the medium-sized organizations that right. don't have the staffing and and the planning giving takes a long time. So well, yeah, and I would say. Um, it's interesting to me that when I think about my, again, experience in schools, the truly some of the most transformational times in my institutions that I've worked with, their, their story is these planned gifts. So, and yeah, that, absolutely. And that those are the ones that, one, you, you, you don't expect them, though yeah. you need them, but they are the ones that will elevate or take your institution to the next level. And so if you aren't, um, you don't have a planned giving program, you really are limiting yourself to have those 
transformational moments that happen within an organization. The last school I worked with uh, got a, a almost $5 million gift that had really not really, we didn't know it was coming, right? Yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden we had this gift that was transformational for how we trained our teachers and that honestly the school will never be able to spend the amount of money that they have, but they have no worries. But, but that was something that was cultivated years ago, right? Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, the people who usually are working on plain giving are not the ones. It's kind of the old adage about I want to plant a tree that someone else will enjoy the shade for. Exactly. That's how plain giving works, right? hundred yeah, percent. You're planting trees that you hope down the road that people will enjoy. That is a beautiful analogy. Yeah. That is a beautiful analogy for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and then again, earned income, uh, that's, you know, a lot of organizations, maybe social services have resale shops, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's some marketing, uh, great marketing opportunities around that, some great in-kind gifts that can be given for that, right, right. as well as selling, uh, you know, for instance, I'll just use the resale store. But then again, there's always, you've got to be very careful about tax consequences around that in your 501c3 status. So yes. that's where you've got to have that good accountant yes, uh, right. to help us for sure. So makes sense. Um, so we've talked about prospects, we've talked about campaign activities, so let's move now, if, you, if I can, to who participates in this, mm -hmm. right? Um, participants in fundraising, uh, I've outlined several areas. So obviously your board of directors, mm -hmm. any advisory boards uh, or emeritus status boards, of course your development committee and chairman, uh, agency stakeholders, mm -hmm. uh, those could be, you know, I kind of divide those up, some kind of internal and external people yeah. that are, you know, have been involved in your organization. They may be longtime donors, they may be longtime volunteers, they may be people that uh, have been uh, of note in your community, that mm -hmm. maybe a founder yeah. or maybe the son of a founder or something of that nature mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody that has such a really a key a, a, a stakeholder and, and they're mm -hmm. usually people that are well respected. Yeah. Your executive director, uh, your development director, and then key administration staff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really I like to focus on that key administrative staff because oftentimes, um, you know, there have been these or times when, and I've done this, you know, for organizations that maybe I work with. I'll call not the director, or I'll not call, but I'll call the front line mm -hmm. number and yeah. ask for a person or the development director. And I remember I called one organization one time and. I asked for the development director by name and they said, um, I don't think she works here. <laughs> and I said, really? Wow, okay. And they said, well, maybe, hang on. Yeah. And then a little bit later, they came back on the line and said, yeah, that person does, I found out that person does work here, but she's not here right now. Right. You know, if it had I been a donor trying sure. to call and find, I mean, that's not what you want, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like a little bit of confidence. That, yes, that, that, that exactly. Yes. And so you've got to really train everybody from yes. the person answering the telephone yes. to, you know, a, a senior program officer mm -hmm. that says, you know, we're all fundraisers in this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, I know oftentimes, especially I've seen it in organizations where it's some social service organizations or even educational organizations, they're all just... The rest of the employees look at the fundraising staff are those people that just give the parties. Yeah. Like they have the fun job, and I wish I could do that, right? right, right. So there's always that kind of funny, sure. funny uh, thing that goes on with some of the staff. Yeah. So it's just critical that you train everybody. Everybody's a fundraiser in your organization. No, and, I, and I've heard you do the talk before where you, you really um, 
again, identify roles that we all play uh, as participants in fundraising and institution. Uh, I've heard you do talk on the champions, that you yes. know who your champions are. And, yes. And they play a very important role. So I think, again, if you're uh, working for an institution right now and, and you're thinking, I really don't know all those roles. I think that they're in need to really dive in deeper on what absolutely, like, right? absolutely, maybe, maybe missing that pain on their their umbrella. Yes, that yeah. that is. There's no doubt. There's uh-huh. no doubt because you know you really want to develop that, those participants. And again, that goes back to relationship mapping. That's right. And I I want to also you know I use the term relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to networking. Yeah. Because to me, networking is much more transactional. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it does have a purpose, and it does have an. And, and I think the the premise behind what most people think it is mm-hmm. is what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I like to have it a little deeper yeah. because when you develop relationships with people, those aren't transactional. That's right. Those are meaningful. That's right. They're... And so that that's one of the reasons why I like to use that term. Love it. Um, Okay, so kind of the final panel on the umbrella for fundraising campaigns is donor stewardship. Mm-hmm. I am a big proponent of donor stewardship. Yeah. I, uh, I've worked with organizations, and, and what that means is you look at donor retention, donor renewals and upgrades, donor recognition, mm-hmm. policies and procedures, right? right? right. So those are so all true. important, yeah. and they, they really, that's a deep dive into the data, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, kind of the lie bunt last year, yes. but not this year. Yes. You know, you go through all of those who's donated, why, right. what's what's fallen off, and fundraising is a long process, mm-hmm. and it's you know I, I often say it's not rocket science, but you have to pay attention to it, yes. right? It's yeah. it's very you've got to pay attention to the donors, and each donor definitely deserves their own mm-hmm. strategy, yeah. right? right? And we can't cookie cut. Our approaches to donors, and they because they know it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, again, I think about this idea of donor stewardship. I think too many uh, institutions uh, think they don't need to have a stewardship plan until they have a vast uh, network or a vast donor pool or whatever. Yeah. And then by the time they get there, then it's too late. They don't know how to now get it in place, and so. I think your idea that it is, it is the essential part of the umbrella from the beginning, right? Yes. You, you can't open this umbrella even if you're starting out without having a stewardship policy. And, oh, and it'll absolutely. Grow. And they need to be yes. articulated. That's right. And yes, and it will grow. And again, yeah. if we go back to the continuum, you know, you look at, at, at your organization mm-hmm. is going to be on that continuum That's right. in those different areas. You've yeah. got to know what if your stewardship's evolving yeah. and, and really your guidepost for the continuum is your strategic plan. That's right. I yeah. mean, that's that's really that's if, if it's a if it's a dynamic, not mm-hmm. a static plan, you know, those things are going to be being addressed. Absolutely. You know, but one of the things I, I always want to make sure is is I've done this with a couple of different organizations. Uh, please spell your donors' names right. And <laughs> right. if you're gonna and if you're gonna present to them a major campaign gift, mm-hmm. you're in a capital campaign. And you put the presentation together, spell their name right. That's, that's pretty important, right? It, it yeah. is, because they never forget it. Yeah, no. Yes, they right. never, ever <laughs> forget it. Absolutely. So. It is the details. Well, I, I am so grateful again that, um, I, one, that I've got to uh, work with you and learn um, from you. But I'm excited about this new professional learning series. And, like, this was just such a, a quick glimpse into not only the uh, seven arenas of infinite possibilities, but also this idea of the five core um, stages on this uh, continuum. So how would someone, if they're interested in learning more about you, maybe ways to engage 
um, the Patrick Willis Consulting, how, how would they get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach out? Well, I tell you what, I can give my email address is yeah. probably one of the best ways, and mm-hmm. it's just my first name, Patrick at WillisTyler.com. Okay. Uh, my office is headquartered in um, one of my clients. Actually, I, I also do work. And one of my other sectors of my business is I assist a private family with their philanthropic giving efforts mm-hmm. and their future establishment of a foundation. And I office inside their family office, but it is in downtown Tyler. So nice. Patrick at WillisTyler.com. My office telephone line is 903-939-3186. And my website is uh, WillisTyler.com. That is going to be up and running hopefully here soon. I've had a little bit of updates as, as nice. going through on my own continuum. I'm, I'm going right. back and, That's how and, we do and that. reestablishing. Yeah. So uh, that, that should be up um, hopefully soon. Very cool. Uh, well, yeah. definitely. Okay. I, um, again, I hope that people will reach out and, uh, again, just ask questions and, and get Absolutely. involved with how they can continually grow their institution to reach their infinite possibilities. And I know, again, you've helped me and my past work do that and I know that I have watched you do it for so many people in our local um, area and again we're grateful uh, for you sharing this really creative um, platform that you put together this professional learning series I think can be transformational so I hope that we'll do a few more podcasts down the road maybe well I'm grateful I know right. you've got some exciting things coming up in your your yes. new world so uh, I know those announcements will be coming shortly yes. uh, for you and but I, I'm hoping in light of all of that that we can your your assistance in uh, helping me kind of navigate through some of these things and articulate them and, and uh, you're a master at the whiteboard and I tell you I've just thoroughly enjoyed this process and I'm so grateful to actually have this this is one of the goals I've had and as if you read Atomic Habits which Mike Cobb told me to read and I did you know, it's really not the goal that you want. You want to you want to put it into a uh, result. That's right. And you want to, to make that as the habit moves forward. That's right. Well, and that's that's one thing. If I were to describe you, I would <laughs> describe you as a charismatic, results oriented, uh, driven person. So please well, reach out to that. Patrick. And uh, again, we'll be posting a future podcast. So stay tuned for more on this. So that is all for our first Infinite Possibilities podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike.